Awesome. Well, I'm glad you shared, and I really appreciate all of you um, telling me kind of like that you have knees, that you're grateful for your knees, <laughs> that they snap, crackle, and pop, that you teach different kinds of body practices or movement practices, and so learning about knees is a really great opportunity, or that your body just physically can't sit in specific places because you're might have had an injury or something going on that has caused that, right? Like child's pose is a challenging pose. Or the fact that you might be uh, in an age range where nothing's really happened uh, so that you do all kinds of different things with your knees. And then you have the situation where you might be a little bit older and um, your knees are either super fragile or you have just built-in resiliency, right? It's like someone has basically given you a, what's that shark stuff called? Um, cartilage, but yeah, but there's a pill that you take. Oh, conjointant. You know, a lot of people take like conjointant or a lot of people say like, oh, I had an avocado every day and my knees are great. Or like, <laughs> I swear to God, you hear funny things as a teacher, but You'll also hear maybe someone will say, um, I uh, take, um, I eat a lot of turmeric, so I'm not inflamed, right? Or um, I have a lot of coconut oil or healthy fats, like because grass-fed beef is really big right now, like vital proteins, right? So like, I'm a vital protein scout, so my <laughs> collagen and my elasticity is fantastic, right? You know, there are all kinds of things, or like, it, it is pretty amazing what happens, but um, when your students come into class. But I loved all of your responses because it's really important to think about and to understand um, how um, your students are processing their practices, and especially when it relates to knees. So your sheets and your handouts basically um, are pictures of the knee. So we'll talk about the knee joint itself and talk about simple anatomy lesson about the knee. And we'll cover um, different ways to strengthen our adductors, the muscles that surround the femur, which and the innermost um, quadriceps, which are your vastus medialis, and lateralis, which are the outer ones. We'll talk about hamstring strengthening, your glutes, and there is a um, little thing that I'm gonna teach you how to floss your knee which is pretty fascinating because a lot of people get like knee issues um, and they get a little hinky. I might create words for class. But Angela said something really interesting. She is a vet. She works with pets and you can feel the pet's knees easier than you can go up to your student and say, let me check out what's going on with your knee because you don't know if it's hypermobility, you don't know if it's arthritis, you don't know if it's the fact that they didn't have breakfast that morning so they're not fully hydrated. But you do know all of you people in this room. So we're gonna go two and two and let's do two and you two. Two, two and we'll be partners. Um, touch your friend's knees. So we're going to just stand next to your friend, and we're not going to take that much time, but stand next to your friend, have them standing at first, and touch their knee, feel what it feels like, the entire circumference, the entire part of the knee, and then hold onto their kneecap while they move their knee, because like a puppet, right? And what's interesting is when we feel our feels, when we feel ourselves, it's not the same as 
that's why you had such a great idea pop in my head when you said that. It's because when you're feeling someone else's need, you don't, it's not a sensory thing where it's like an internal sensation. It's about really feeling. So now you're going to feel your friend's knees, which I know you're all excited to do. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty freaking funny. Because some of you are like, ooh, this is awesome. And some of you, I saw your face and you're like, ew. <laughs> One of the hugest things that I love to tell teachers when we're practicing as a teacher, the most important thing is your voice and the way that you communicate to your students. But if someone doesn't get it, you have to watch bodies and touch bodies. You have to really be integrated and not kind of like freak out. Like I totally get there are some teachers who have foot issues and they don't like to touch people's feet, but you should be pretty comfortable touching someone else's body to help them in a non-threatening way, right? So in a very therapeutic, mindful way, helping them to get into a space that maybe their body-brain connection isn't helping them to do, right? When we were touching each other's knees, it's a really interesting thing. Did you um, sense anything different on someone else's knees than your own, other than their beautiful knees? <laughs> yeah. Anatomically, yes. Anatomically? Mm -hmm. Right? Crews have a lot more snap cracker popping going on. Interesting. So some of you felt other, like what it feels when it's snapping and crackling. Yep. Wasn't it weird to feel someone's knee when they were moving it? Yeah? I touch a lot of knees. Yeah. I'm a little bit blurred because I touch a lot of Right. Because for your business, right? Yeah. Um, if you're a body worker, you touch bodies and it's not that kind of unique. But... What's interesting about um, yoga teachers is a lot of you aren't coming from the physical side or you aren't coming from the side of like, I work with bodies, I touch bodies a lot. Um, this is all new. Um, everybody's skeleton, like you said, which is a great point, is totally different. So you have to work with each body as their own body, each skeleton as their own skeleton. And you can't compare what's your ability versus someone else's ability, right? Because that's the most important thing about knees. Um, I went through one of my first trainings, and I've been through several 500-hour trainings, and I uh, have some interesting credentials that you can check out later. But um, what's my first training, the teacher used to always say, lock the fucking knee. It was like literally in our dialogue. Never ever lock the fucking knee is my most important thing I want you to like walk away with. Because when you lock the knee, especially if someone's coming into the class with hypermobility, their glutes and their hamstrings are not firing. You want to have so much resiliency that you're like, um, literally when they say, go with the flow, or the idea of mindfulness meditation, that moment-to-moment -moment awareness where you let it come, let it go, let it flow. That's what you have to have in your body. There's no rigidity. You are very fluid and you're very um, vital. You're thriving. So if you lock anything out or if you kind of like create so much rigidity, then you're automatically going to cause some knee issues. Most people do not have a glute that fires. So let's play a little glute game. Um, we're sitting on the ground. Straighten out your legs. And activate your toes 
so that your toes lift up to the sky. Good. What pose is this pose prepping you for? It's called Dandasana. Yep. So staff pose. What is uh, it preparing you to go into? Okay, what's your forward fold in Sanskrit? In American Sanskrit, please? <laughs> Paschimottanasana, right? So that was good. In Paschimottanasana, you want your heels further out than your toes. Without locking the knees, you have to engage your glutes and your hamstrings. You're basically standing. Okay? What happens when you get to this spot? Um, bring your elbows to your ribcage, and your hands are like at 10 and 2, so you're like driving a car. Okay? Now, try and move your butt forward so you're going to walk forward on your mat. Okay? <laughs> you look very cute. <laughs> move your butt back. Everybody's okay? Anybody's low back start to get tight or tender? Ah, interesting. So you might not fire your glutes. Let's try something. That's one trick to see if you don't fire your glute. Okay? Let your hands relax. You don't have to pretend you're driving the car, but keep your toes active and vibrant. Squeeze your right butt cheek without looking like you're pooping. <laughs> relax your face. Squeeze your left butt cheek. Right? How many of you feel like you couldn't fire one of those things? Yeah? Okay? Now, try not to be like a weeble that wobbles from side to side, but squeeze your right, left, 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 right, right, left, right, left. A lot of eyebrows went up. Okay? Remember, yoga is a sensory integration practice to help you get your head on straight. It's just teaching you life lessons off the mat, how to self-regulate, to calm, to neutralize, right? So you're integrating the right and left hemisphere. Who felt that their butt cheek on either the right or left side wasn't active? One could have been more active, right? It was harder to do that. So your left butt cheek goes to your right hemisphere and your right butt cheek goes to your left hemisphere. Sometimes people's butts, you ask them to engage their glutes and they can't get one of their glutes to fire. So that's one of the first things to protect your knees because if they can't get their glutes to fire, they're overtaxing the vastus medialis and the vastus lateralis. And the, what are these things on the inside of your legs? Inner thighs. Yes, your inner thighs, right? The things that make noise in your pants rub together. But it is the um, adductors, okay? What is on the outside of your legs? Abductors, okay? So these things, these muscles are really huge to help protect the knees. Because one of the biggest um, muscles or one of the things that connect your pubic bone to your knee is a gracilis. What's your gracilis, your adductor? A lot of times people don't get that to fire. Okay, so I asked you to grab a block and then we're gonna go over the pictures in the anatomy lesson. 
but grab your block. You still have your legs in Dandasana. Okay, ready, set, Dandasana. Yes, good. Okay, very good Sanskrit, people. Not. Okay, try it again. Let's say Dandasana. Oh, yes. Okay, your block, the tall way is skyscraper, and the flat way is colonial. Put it tall way, skyscraper, in between your legs so that it's up close to your pubic bone, okay? So a lot of times when people, especially if they are like really like, uh, no pun intended, but like circus performers, or they come from like a gymnastic background, or they come from like a very flexible background, they're gonna really have a hard time. If you say dandasana, what are my toes doing? Right, they're externally rotating, they're passive, or they're just kind of like hanging out. Most of your students, if you say Paschimottanasana, they don't go from a place of action, they go from a place of passivity. All of these poses, the bone, take your right and left hands and pretend you're two different people, and um, hug your wrists. So the bones hug the muscles and the muscles hug the bones. So it's not like that passive gross grip where you're like, ew. And it's not that too tight grip where you're gonna like smother someone, but it's that in-between. So when you're in any of these poses, your muscles and bones are activating like you're pulling up a really tight pair of leggings. And people don't think that way. When they come to the mat, they're like, oh, I'm just gonna relax. But it's a effortless effort, our practice. It's an engagement. It's a conversation. Always going and balancing the ha, which is the right, the sun, and the ta, which is the moon, right? So we're always fluid. Okay, so what does the block help you to do? Engage, right? All of a sudden, someone who's really passive has become very active because you gotta squeeze the block. And then in turn, by squeezing the block, already you're protecting your knees. Props are your best friend. Has anybody ever told you that you have a little bit of hypermobility? Me? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so can you keep your heels on the ground and feel a little elevation of your knees as you try and press your shin bones to the ground. So create a micro bend in your knees. Feel the difference? Now the adductors are active and the glutes are active and your spine's a little bit longer. You could totally do that, but try to not have the backs of the knees touch down to the ground. Did you think that you could just lifting off the ground? But you can see. Yeah. So I can do that in this leg because this leg's actually had uh, bad knee issues. Right. I've had to have uh, like um, uh, things uh, like, what is it called? Pins and rods. Pins and rods, I don't know what that is. What's pins and rods? Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, I had to have it. Um, they have to, there's been um, stuff, liquid formed in between the patella and the lower leg and the upper leg where they have to siphon it out because it almost creates like a cyst. 
because it's so easy to lock out. So yes, I want you to be able to lift your heels up off the ground, but I want it to come from still have space underneath the knees so you're not locking out so much. Your glutes are strong. Do you feel a difference by doing this? Yeah, I know it's like after lunch and you're all ready for nap time, but if you kind of feel something, say, yeah! Yes. Okay. You can also do thumbs up or thumbs down too. I do that when I teach the high school kids. Um, let's talk a little bit about, um, and now we know props are our best friends. Bones hug muscles, muscles hug bones. Each student is going to be totally different. So like the cue that I gave you, it might be different for someone else, but it's not bad. We just have to keep watching bodies. And the more and more that you start to watch bodies, your body is your autobiography. Have you ever heard that before? Your body holds everything within it, right? If it's good or bad, but we're trying to keep it fluid and opening, like, um, so science class, like an amoeba, right? Things permeate, but they don't get stuck, and then they go through, right? A lot of times what happens is when we're in pain and suffering, we hold on instead of letting go. So if our body is our autobiography, sometimes we have to disconnect or release things that are trapped, right? And in other times, we have to um, just kind of let people be exactly where they're at at that moment so that you don't have to worry about releasing. But most people are coming to the mat to let go. And we're trying to deal with everybody's body at where they're at so that we can have that freedom, right? Because that's the ultimate thing that we're trying to teach is the freedom of the practice where you can let things go through you and be really fluid as you find strength. So that is the same as Han Ta. It's the same as a saying in Sanskrit called Shtira Sukha Asana. You're balancing out your strengths and your weaknesses as you find center. So if everybody's body is different and your body is your autobiography, what I'm going to cue to one person is going to be the total different thing that I might cue to another person based on experience. So take everything that I say in class with a grain of salt today in your tech because you're teaching from experience. Right? So I've just been lucky to watch lots of bodies and touch lots of bodies. That'll come in time. Yeah? Awesome. If you look where it says simple knee anatomy lesson, the kneecap is designed to slide along a groove in the femur, and it has to move smoothly within that groove to do its job well. If it goes off track, which it often does, it grinds away the cartilage underneath and destabilizes the knee. So a lot of times that's the snap, crackle, and pop. The ensuing wear and tear is a key reason for knee replacement surgery. Oh, doctors love yogis. Chiropractors love yogis. Because people F up all the time on the mat. We come to the mat to get rid of the ego, but a lot of times we come to the mat at first with a huge ego, right? And in order to let, you have to really let go of the ego so that you don't hurt yourself. And a lot of times people might lunge too far 
or they might force something, or they might go over and above and beyond because they're stuck in that kind of klesha. Klesha is like a, a the klesha would be like, oh, there's a cute person in class and I want to show off for them because I want them to think that I'm really awesome. And then you hurt yourself because you're trying to do what that flexible person's trying to do. So you have to kind of let go of those preconceived notions or those expectations so that you can work with your body. And in turn, there's a lot of knee replacement or a lot of cartilage tears or a lot of issues because you're forcing yourself. There are also a lot of issues because teachers have adjusted a student when they're in a form or a shape and they try to get them to go to a shape that they expect them to, another form of the klechas. So we can't put our expectations on a student and force them into something because that's what you think it should be. Okay? When you are, have all this destabilization and the wear and tear in the knee, um, they think um, uh, the cartilage is totally gone, but cartilage can grow back. So that conjointed thing, even though it sounds like, oh, that's really weird, it is actually something, you know, people take collagen now. People eat different things to help to grow back. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Jell-O is made out of horse hooves. So like Jell-O. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of like, you know, when you go to like a family function and they have the Jell-O mold. How come that always sits there? <laughs> okay, the, the, the main problem is that and, and as teachers, if we don't correct the imbalance pull of the muscles on the kneecap, we'll continue to grind down things, we can continue to create wear and tear and pain, we can create those little cysts, right, because we can create um, hip height. Have you ever heard of hip height? Hip hike happens a lot when you have a dominant side and then the weaker side starts to actually lower. So a lot of people come in, in class with um, a pain in their low back, but it's because you've created hip hike. Whether it's doing a pose improperly or do you always carry a bag on the same shoulder? Or a kid on the same hip? Or your grocery bag is on the same side? You've created hip hike. Yoga is allowing things to flow through it's creating the stability as you find vitality, and when the bones hug the muscles and the muscles hug the bones, we take a very twisted, imbalanced entity, and we make ourselves balanced and whole. And that's our ultimate goal. If you have chronic pains in your knees, and they snap, crackle, and pop, or they hyperextend, this improper tracking is sometimes called dislocation. You ever heard that? dislocation of the kneecap. And this misalignment can cause a lot of knee pain, and that's why this um, muscle, the gracilis, or the muscle that's on the outside, start to kind of like get maybe sinewy or tight, <coughs> or maybe too elastic and loose. And we want to find that balance and that ease. So if you look at the pictures that I have here for you all, you have a couple things going on. You've got the largest bone in your upper leg, it's the largest bone in your body. Well, it's the only bone in your upper leg, but what's it called? Finger. Good. So if I gave you a pop quiz, 
Um, and, and I said, what's the longest bone in your body you would be? Yay, very good. All right, so that's thigh bone. Then you have the little floaty thing, which is the? Good, and then you have two bones that are in the lower parts of your legs, and one is called the? And the other one is called the? Okay, and which one has a larger, like, when Pebbles, Pebbles and Bam Bam of Barney Rubble? And Pebbles put that bone in her head. The top of the bone is shaped like a heart. It's like the trochanter. It's so the heart shape. Who had which bone of the two that you just listed has that kind of like ball and socket? All right. And the other one's called the. And the long bone is on your thigh is called the. Okay. And what's the little floaty piece? And is it bone? It's a bone. I talk to people who are smarter than me. It's a bone. Okay, but the, the bone that it floats because it's connected with um, uh, what tendons and ligaments, right? And muscles. Muscles. So your muscles, if they are off track, there's something on there that starts with an M. Mm, yes, so if you are showing off and you're working from a place of ego or if you come into class and decide to do something really fast before being warmed up or prepared, what do you think there's common surgery done on? Meniscus. Right, meniscus tears. Yeah. No? Oh, oh, it sounds broke. It's an icky, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, Other, this is like a, dot, a conversation. It might seem like I'm sitting up in front like a monologue, but if you have anything to share, make sure that you share it, please. Okay. I just yeah. people talk about meniscus, but that's a horizontal cartilage, and then there's that particular cartilage. So for me, it seems like they, they must have a different, they must work differently. It's much more about the vertical. I'm not here the vertical. Oh, interesting, right? the meniscus tear, I mean, we have gravitational force, so a lot of times that is uh, often to just the weight and the way that we walk, and if things don't fire, yours was an off-track kind yes, of a so thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Interesting. Do you think huh. it could be related to the feet? Um, I know a lot of people don't know this, but we actually have certain arches within our Mm -hmm. Most people don't have it. If they're supposed to have it, they're going to have it. Right? So, so if you're fl like flat-footed or if you have the art, um, um, one of my mentors calls it the arc of intelligence. Like we have tons of yes. arches. Yes. Yep. And if you don't, like you can go, there's a, you go, go to a chiropractor who has it, it's just like a scale. And you, you stand on that scale and it actually takes a picture like, with all the different colors, like oh. the blood and everything flowing Neato. in your feet when you're standing straight cool. up. And it's supposed to give you a glimpse of where the arches 
that are supposed to be there aren't there. Oh. And then they can create um, uh, misalignment. No, they create uh, the, the inserts that oh. are there. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah, look at your toes. How many people have bunions? So like bunions, arches, feet, feet affect your knees a lot, right? Um, how many of you, when you were little kids, were like little toe, tippy toe walkers? No? Or like your feet go out like duck, duck feet or I don't know what it's called. Pigeon toed or yeah. So that also affects the tracking of the, what's the one that's not good on you? Yep. Yep. So it's the patella that's right here? So the, the cartilage. The cartilage that goes um um for vertically. Yeah. yeah. So what I want to do and what I want to work on for the rest of the time that we're here today is to kind of talk about that adductor strengthening that we just did but also really do some different kind of ways to work to create strengthening um, through the different poses. And I listed 20 poses that we can do and go through and really discuss how it affects the knees. I always have a little chuckle when um, we give out tech topics because really every tech topic ends up being um, very integrated with everything else. So, you know, in an hour and a half, it's really challenging to cover everything that you could cover with a tech. Um, because uh, we're talking about not only structural alignment and bones and muscles and tissues and all of that stuff, and after the anatomy, then we've got to go through postures and modifications, and um, so we'll try and crank through this. But remember that knees are part of every part of your practice. Even sitting uh, in um, what is the pose that you sit in when you cross your legs and you meditate? Tadasana is when you stand, right? Mountain. What's easy pose in Sanskrit? Sukhasana, right? So let's start off. How many of you meditate? Oh, thank God. Sometimes you ask that and then like no one in the room uh, puts their hand up and you're like, that is a huge reason for the word yoga. Yep. That's really what yoga is all about. So if I sit in Sukhasana like this with um, just me and my butt on the ground, what is wrong with this picture? Well, you're forward. Right? And my pelvis is tilting forward. Yeah. Right. It's creating a torque on the knee. So anytime we sit cross-legged on the ground without any elevation or prop, I'm already causing uh, something going on with my knees. So a huge thing, and that's why I had you guys get props, is if you elevate your hips, so that they're higher than your knees, you're not overstraining the muscles. So just literally sitting, 
In the Hatha Yoga Pratapika, it says your heels are in front of your penis. But since we are a room full of women and we don't have a penis, sorry. Huh? Yeah. Strap one on, girls. Good. But your heels are in alignment, right? And your knees are lower than your hips. And then there's a subtle pelvic tilt to create space in the pelvic floor for breath. And then your spinal column is sometimes called an axial chain um, or a, a vortex. The trunk of your body uh, is the dharma or the pillar. So basically, you're in Tadasana because every pose is Tadasana. But now you're in a comfortable position because you're not hurting your knees. Does anybody feel like this is too much? If sitting in Sukhasana with your hips elevated is too much and you have really tight adductors, thanks, you can put blocks or blankets underneath your knees to elevate them. And that helps a lot for your students, like what you're doing, which is perfect. Okay? Um, the next thing is now we're propped up and sitting comfortably um, in easy pose. I want to show you how to floss the knees because we've already sat straight with our legs in Dandasana and the forward fold in Nipashimottanasana. Did anybody feel a stretch in the back of their knees from that? Like it was like, ew. Okay. There's a thing, and I always pronounce it wrong, so just making sure, papolitat. Okay, place your knees down. I mean, your knees up and your feet down. So you're kind of in a squatty pose, but you're sitting on your block or your, whatever your prop is. Um, when you floss the knee, this helps you so that you can protect your knees. If you've ever gone... Um, Maybe this is what you do with people, but if you have like ankle surgery or knee surgery, you put something in between your knees and you tell the person to spell with their ankle because it's strengthening the muscles again. Have you ever heard that? Okay, I have, especially when you have your knee stuff going on, do you feel underneath with your knees bent? Feel underneath your knees and there's kind of like two sinewy things and then a little space. Okay. The papalidae is you take your hand. Do you like to floss your teeth? Yeah. Right? No, it's not like a fun thing. This might not be fun. Okay, so you're trying to get and hold on to one of the sinewy things, and then you bend your knee and straighten it. And you bend your knee and you straighten it. Can you feel that? It's like, oh. What is it you're feeling? Like, the sinewy thing? The sinewy? Sinewy, the... the yeah. It's stringy. Yeah, it's a like stringy. Stringy. Yeah, you're grabbing you're grabbing onto it. You're like Yeah. Okay. You don't want to do this to someone else. Right? You only want to do this to yourself. But this helps to release some of the tension in those muscles along those knees. So like for a massage therapist, if you have um, tightness or like your pecs are really tight, the muscles that support your clavicles are tight, a lot of times they'll do spot treatments where they rub the muscle to kind of like break down the tissue, right? I'm probably like saying this 
wrong, but it's kind of the same thing. You're releasing some of that tightness and tension, and you're flossing your knees like you would floss your teeth. Do you have to do it on both of them, or just both? Whichever one, for me, that hurts, but you could do it to both of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That works really well. Another way to floss your knee is you're all going to grab your mats. What pose is, um, in Sanskrit, if I say hero's pose, what is that pose in Sanskrit? Is one way you go like this, the front is a pigeon pose, Nope. But good try. Right? So my knees are forward. Kind of like pigeon, your knee is bent, but you're... Um, there's a pose in um, the Ashtanga practice called Triyamukha Padapashimottanasana where you go forward like this and one knee is bent. Hero's pose is where... But did you like that? That was good. Yeah. <laughs> Your eyes are just like that. <laughs> okay. Um, you can sit on your heels. You can sit on a block. Pretty much the precursor to child's pose. Right? Does that feel okay? It's like about as much as you yeah. can do as this. Yeah. Right. Okay? So imagine if your meditation teacher told you to roll the toes under and sit on your heels. So we're trying to get those arcs of intelligence to wake up. A lot of times people just are to sit on their heels like this in the meditation. With hero's pose, sometimes you sit on your heels. And with other kinds of hero poses, have you ever heard of supta virasana? What's supta? Recline, right? Supine. Yeah. So you take and you move the fleshy part of the skin away and you put your buns down. Right? Can't do that. Right? Very hard. Take and grab your yoga mat and roll it up. I also have to say, like, I was the most discombobulated child. Have you ever heard that? Like, right? So I am not a gymnast. Like, I, my mom took me to gym class. I jumped on the trampoline and I got a bloody nose. And I never went back. <laughs> a lot of people are coming into this class because they might have been gymnasts or coming to yoga because they have that in-brain flexibility. This physique, this body did not come because I was, like, you know, really flexible as a child, right? It just takes time and patience. So with your rolled-up mat, take and bring it behind your knees and sit on it. Yep, so hero's pose, toes, or shoelace side of your feet on the ground, and sit. Yep, you tuck it up back there, and you sit. This is another way of flossing or creating space. Uh, right behind the knee. So you're, 
your knees are stretching. Does that feel better? Mm -hmm. So, if you were in the S&M, if you were, you know, like, so a lot of times, like, the idea of yoga is not very pretty. And it seems very sadomasochistic because you're trying, a lot of people are trying to start at one place and have an end goal. I don't want you to have an end goal because I want you to remember that the practice is about freedom from pain and suffering and finding harmony within your mental mind stuff. It's not about having the perfect pose. But I'll just tell you what people do if they're trying to get into hero's pose and they can't do it. You put the block, the, the whatever this, the rolled up mat behind your legs and you slowly unroll it month by month and you would be able to sit down comfortably and be totally fine because you're working your way to that space. But if you say to a student, can you sit in hero's pose and they say no, now you know you can put the, the, the rolled up mat behind their knees. You can sit on a block. You can sit on a bolster. I don't care if you're standing up on your knees like you're prepping for child's pose. This is still a form of hero's pose. The idea of hero's pose is to have that subtle incline. They say uh, in part of the text of, is that hero's pose is the way that the royals sit. Right? So Sukhasana, the easy pose, is a meditation seat. This would be more of the way that the royals sit, right? All right, everybody feel comfortable? No, maybe not in the pose, but you understand that, that you can use a, 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 a block, a, a, a whatever that a rolled up mat. There's different things that you can do to get yourself in a position without forcing it especially because you're seeing everybody as their own body. Okay, um, now we're going to use that um, block, and we're going to create a supported bridge. So, you are literally laying... Can I bow that word? Thanks. You are going to literally lay on your back and squeeze the block in between your knees and tell me how that feels. Oh. <laughs> Feet down to the ground, right? Because bridge pose, supta, <laughs> yeah. So if, I, if you are squeezing your block in between your knees, People sometimes get really lazy in bridge pose and their knees pop out wide or their feet go too wide. If you put a block in between the knees, what's happening in your body? You're stabilizing yourself, yep. Awesome. Okay. Squeeze your block and roll to the right side. Use your right arm as a pillow and press yourself back up into a seated space. Another thing that affects your knees is how many um, of you have seen someone do child's pose and they're having a really hard time getting their ass down or getting into the asana, yeah? Because their knees are tight, yeah? 
So if I had a block and, and I was going to come into child's pose, one thing in child's pose is if your knees are wide, you create space for your chest so you don't feel uncomfortable or you create space for your boobage so you don't feel uncomfortable that it's hard for you to lay down on the um, thighs. When your knees are wide, it gives you an opportunity to, to um, create more length through the spine. If every pose is Tadasana, you're trying to find elongation and freedom through the torso. You can take the block and you just prop it underneath your head. And now I'm in a position that's comfortable because if I would have done this before and I couldn't get my head down like this, I feel really stupid and I don't want to come back to yoga because my friends all can get their buns to the heels and I can't, right? So if I take the block and I position it underneath my head or I don't have a block that day and I do one potato too, I have space. So I can use my fists underneath my forehead or I use the block. So now feel what it feels like to protect your knees by either doing one potato two, propping up your behind, or doing your block underneath your forehead. Everybody is okay? Sweet. Okay, this pose leads into something called puppy dog. So how many people have you heard of in down dog and say like, I can't do down dog, it hurts my knees. Hurts my legs, right? You can do puppy dog. You don't have to, just like cat cow, to me, is a vinyasa. It's a flow. Because I'm moving my body up dog, and I'm creating space like a down dog. But if I want to do puppy dog, uh, it's the same thing as down dog, but I'm not straightening out my legs. All I'm doing is bringing my forehead to the ground and my hands out. I'm on my knees and my hips are up, and if I need to prop myself up, I can do that. I could put a bolster underneath my head. I could put a block underneath my head. But my thighs are perpendicular to the floor. No, you don't look weird. Okay, and that's doing something where my knees are like really wonky 
hey, my journal friend, you're really um, very um, up here a lot. Yeah. So what if the base of your spine is Shakti, it's the power, and the top of your head is your Shiva, right? So just like we have Hanta or Shirasuka, we have positive and negative, good and bad, male and female. So if this is the divine feminine, and you are not able to think because you can't see, that you're creating space. So I would, I would say feel your feels yeah. versus think your think. And I feel like when you're just looking at you, you created a little bit more space underneath you, and I feel like that would actually... Yeah, so try to create space underneath yeah. you. Yeah. Maybe it's weird to push this here, but then your Anja chakra is right there. I'm not a doctor. I just pretend. I had um, surgery. Yeah, so it feels weird on your shoulders. Yeah, I had to go to chiropractor there. Was yeah, yeah. So do a dolphin-y kind of thing. Where you have your pose, but you have your forearms down to give you more um, uh, distributed, just, yeah, distribution of weight and support on the floor. So I feel like I'm doing child's pose, though. That's fine. It's okay, but it, is that how it's supposed to be? You're supposed to be all warm. There's no it's supposed good. to be. Okay. A great question. Um, I think it's supposed to be what it works best for you at that time. Because every day we come to the mat, we're totally different. So one day, it, like, like what you just said, one day it'll feel like really awesome, and then the other day it'll be like, uh, not, not working well. So you have to really honor your body and honor your practice. And, and if we are doing an integration practice and creating that connection, then I don't care if you lay down in Shavasana the entire class, but you're feeling your feels, that's yoga. It's not about what you look like. Yeah. I've had people come in class in jeans, and they're totally fine. But marketing world would say there's something wrong, right? Spiritual gangster does not, by wearing the product, doesn't make you that. You know what I'm saying? Believe me, I'm like, I love marketing and tech and all kinds of things. But I, I think we have to remember what the purpose of the practice is versus what our expectations from what pictures or marketing things communicate. So I would say honor your body. There's my philosophy lesson for today. Did you watch the documentary I Am? Yeah, you talked about that. You know, I still have to watch it. What is it called? It's called I Am? I Am, yeah. It's on the G-A-I-A, Gaia channel? No, it's on the N-E-T-F-L-I-S. Netflix? Yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's the director. He did like the Ace Ventura movie and a bunch of other comedies. And it's a documentary. He was in a near fatal accident and he talks about how thought and feeling affects what's around you. Oh, wow. Without words and brainstorm. So it's pretty cool. I'm going through our little list. Postures, modifications, and strengthening tips. Are you ready for our next one? Mm -hmm.
Awesome. Okay, so puppy dog, the way that feels best for your body. Down dog, a lot of people think they have to keep their legs super straight in their dog. If I'm in down, this is not a hole, this is a stain. <laughs> so I'm just telling you if there's holes anywhere. <laughs> I used bleach and I bleached my pants by accident. So if I'm in down dog and my legs are locked down, it doesn't mean that it's totally right. I could have my knees bent like this and have down dog and be totally fine. The idea is, is that you're trying to not dump in your shoulders and not um, feel like you're locked out. I have to engage and fan out my tail feathers and still not pop my ribs open. It's actually better. Did you see how I structurally started to kind of play around with that? So if I go into this, I'm just like freaking hanging out. But if I come and bend my knees, my hips broaden, my tail creates more space, my shoulders start to open up, and then did you see what just happened with my ribs? Now I'm engaged. Now I'm hanging out. Now I'm engaged. So having my knees bent is totally fine. And you could even have your person, your student, put a block in between their knees. So let's start off. Um, doing down dog with a block in between your knees, just to feel what it feels like. Yeah. Uh, you can put it in between your thighs if it feels better. So it's okay. This is the baby yoga person, I guess. I've had several teachers get upset that my feet aren't been touching them, or my heels aren't touching the floor then. No. <laughs> I think I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> upon you, but if you put your legs down, it's not good for everybody's physique. So do what's good for your structure. And just like what I said at the beginning of this class, I'm sitting here, but take everything I say with a grain of salt and only work from experience. Experience and breath are your guiding practices. And your body's your autobiography, so if you're trying to get your heels down and it's not feeling good in your legs, You've got to listen to what you're feeling. Yeah. How's that? It really solidifies me. Like, this is a wondrous thing. Yeah, the block is your best friend. I mean, your breath is your best friend, but the block really helps. You, you, you all have a book called Light on Yoga? Yes. Okay. Do you know that after he took all those pictures in that book, he had to be in the hospital for a while because he jacked up his body so badly from having the perfect poses? Oh, my gosh. So it doesn't mean, I'm only using what you asked as a reference, so I'm not pointing you out, but it, what works well for you is not going to work well for someone else. And what works well in a group of people when you're talking to say 60 students at a time or 10 people at a time or three people at a time you have to cue to the whole group and the challenge is that a, and i said this already in class i'll just reiterate your most powerful words as a teacher i mean the po most powerful thing you have as a teacher is your words it's not going to be you know touching every single student in class but it's how you communicate the message so that it is accessible 
so that it is modifications on up. So if they are saying put your heels down to the ground, they're not giving modifications on up. And the way that we're trying to teach is modifications on up so that you are able to use this practice for a lifetime, right? You could, as a teacher, find your partner again, and you could, as a teacher, go behind your student and take and um, say they have their little micro bend in their knees, they have space through their hips, put your feet there and say, press into my feet. Now they're able to feel what it feels like she's in firing up her boots and I'm not touching her boots and engage your butt, right? But uh, she's more active because I'm there. But her heels are off the ground. Ultimately, she might be able to open her legs up, but maybe not in this lifetime. The idea is, is that I'm putting her in a place that's good for her body. Does that make sense? So find your buddy and try the heel thing and see how that affects your knees in the practice. Okay, so how about we come back? Right. And this is more of like contracting, but then lengthening, but you have to lengthen by using your muscle in 
like this whole body thing that gets a little confusing, right? That's why the cue with put your feet down to the ground can get confusing if you uh, can't put your feet down. Or if I say don't just hang out there, because some people do, you still have to um, open and close. You just have to create this long line of communication for your systems. That make sense? Not to me, but that's okay. Okay. We'll keep on that topic right now by standing up and grabbing um, your block. Utkatasana has two different versions, A and B. And what's interesting about A and B version is that um, people don't like Utkatasana, so they don't do the B version. Take your block and put it in between your thighs. Okay, so you've got your block, it's in between your thighs, and your legs are nice and strong. On your next exhale, bring your hands to your heart. With your inhale, lift your sternum. Take your hands. Missy, take your hands to your ribs. On your next inhale, pick up a bag of groceries. Exhale, keep your bag of groceries there, but stitch your ribs together. Inhale, pick up your bag of groceries. Exhale, stitch the groceries, stitch the bag together. So you've got to kind of hang out a little bit, but you're still engaged. That makes sense? So we're breathing like that. Take your thumbs underneath your armpits so that your chest stays high. Squeeze a block and sit into Utkatasana. So most people, when you say Utkatasana, their knees go really wide and they're not tracking. And the block helps you to track. Take your fingertips, your middle finger, down to the ground. That's how low your Utkatasana should be. Some people need to not have the block in between their legs, but if their feet aren't running parallel, like the letter H, they need to put the block in between their feet. Now keep your buns low and inhale, reach your arms up high. Spread out your tail feathers. Spread out your kidneys. Good. Exhale, hands to your heart. Okay, don't move your buns. Lift your heels to your heart. Squeeze block. Good. Lower your feet, straighten your legs. Arms down by your sides. None of you are breathing, but uh, <laughs> you did pretty well. Yeah? Did you feel your knees hurting? No. Did you feel that you had more support? Yes. Yeah. There's your friend. Okay? So when you tell someone to sit like they're sitting in a chair, a lot of times, in this pose, Utkatasana, which is lightning bolt, thunderbolt, fierce pose, courageous pose, many definitions for Utkatasana, but you have to structurally be in Tadasana. And a lot of people don't structurally stay in it. Okay? So Utkatasana A and B, and then you can try, this should be the same feeling, find a spot against the wall, your spine is long. Just like when you were in high school or grade school and you had PE classes and you tried to 
Then, yeah? The Presidential Physical Fitness Award. Thank you. Palms face down. Shoulders shrug back. Spine is touching the wall. Glutes are strong. You're not in your toes. You're just in chair pose. This is what it should feel like when you're out in the middle of the room. Did it feel like this? No. Okay, come on back. Then it's not in your knees. If you really do the pose properly, it should feel like what it just felt like against the wall. Okay? That's with katasana. Protecting the knees. Now, let's talk about, um, well, we talked about Tadasana, or the idea of alignment. But where do we start as teachers cueing the body? Right? Feet. Okay? So, because everybody's hips are different, the most important thing are your feet, that they track and point toes forward. Get the big toes to touch down, spread out the rest of the toes from the big toes. Good, and then it's like you're pulling up those really tight, cute yoga leggings. <laughs> your pubic bone and tailbone, your king and your queen are having a good conversation, and the hips are healthy. So for most people, I would say have them put a block in between their legs, because it finds the engagement of your pelvic floor and the pelvic bowl. And then, if we say that the thumbs are underneath the shoulders, it helps people lift their heart up a little bit higher, because most people have rounded shoulders. So we're just having openness. Palms face forward, body strong as your arms relax. Ta-da. We're supposed to squeeze this together, right? In a perfect world. Your body, once you dive deeper into Tadasana, and this is not a Tadasana tech, works in vortexes of energy. So your legs are going in, out, in, out. There's lots of spirals. Thumbs going in, this is going out, this is going in, this is going out. We can talk about it after class. <laughs> All right, let's bring that tree. We were taught in tree pose about how to do tree pose. If everything's drawing to midline and you're doing the co-contraction and the dynamic opposition and you're really working on lengthening, it's totally fine to press your foot into your, place your foot next to your knee if you're not pushing into the knee. But if you're pushing in like you have the block there and you're pushing leg into leg, you're fine. Okay, totally, like a teacher, totally, you gotta feel it from experience. How come this is my feet always slip? Like um, really that your slip. feet slip? Yeah, when I try to do tree pose. Um, I can do it easy here, I can do it if I have shorts on and I just have bare skin. I can hold it up here for yep. a period of time. But do you get pedicures? <laughs> Take your right foot to your calf. 
pushing inward. Once you start grabbing the leg to put it into tree pose, you have created hip height. Less is more. If you can pull your leg up from your bandhas, if you can pull your leg up from the breath, then go for it. If you grab, you're creating an imbalance in your low back. That's why you have to watch out when people go into lotus because it could be messing up their knee, but it could also be creating a compression in their back if they don't have proper tadasana stance. So Does that make sense? When you go into that, you should just be naturally be able to put your leg up there and then you just grab. Like, yeah, in tree pose, you don't hold your foot. I know, but with that, what I just did? Yeah, I said, oh, you try to do this, and I hold it up like that. When people go into their half lotus, you should do it without your hands. I was just bringing it up with my hands to show you how it creates. You should be able to do it without touching. Yes. Yeah, that's Does that make sense? Less is more. So a tree, after you see the classic pose where the everything I say with a grain of salt because some other teacher might say something totally different but if you grab your foot and bring it up you're creating an imbalance in your hips if I bring my foot up from breath then it's a different story but yeah good question um, okay so I would like to do you have one minute so I want to do something um, warrior and crescent. Okay? So find your partner. Okay? You say hi, partner. Did you see the structure of her body changed as she was doing that? So she really has a push into me. Good. Okay. And then I'm going to have you um, put the left leg here, and we're going to warrior two. So just open you up. Okay. So in warrior two, structure of feet. This isn't a warrior two tech or anything like that, so we're not going to talk about it. You can be heel to arch alignment or heel to heel alignment. Everybody's hips are different, so everybody's stance is going to be totally different. The ultimate goal of this posture and what I want you to do is now you've got the push into the thigh bicep to activate the glutes and protect the knee. 
this is a karate chop. My hand goes underneath the knee towards the papalita. My other hand goes to the top, and I go like this. Feel stronger? Mm -hmm. She's still engaged for eyebrows. <laughs> so I'm literally karate chopping equally in opposite directions. Um, there's a saying in the old like school kids texts that your a right angle equals right effort. If someone can't lunge, awesome. Don't worry about it. If someone goes too far, pull them back, right? But if someone has a right angle, that's totally fine. If there's a little uplift, great. If someone's really, really flexible or hypermobile, they hammock in their joints, then you have to pull them up, right? That balance of shtira and sukha. You're always finding that fine line between yielding and striving. But not what the person next to you on the mat is doing, but what you're doing. Okay? So let's all try that with your friend. The last thing that I want to talk about with all of you is um, um, there's one pose I'm going to show you, and then there's just something else. Um, that I want you to kind of experience. But how many of you do triangle pose? Triangle pose is a really interesting pose for hypermobility because a lot of people lock out the knee and then they don't come in the proper alignment. So when you're in triangle pose, the most important thing to do is to use a prop on either the hand or um, if the person can get the hand to the ground, that's totally fine. But can you see my knee? Watch what happens. Is, can you see how I can lock it out? Okay, now watch what happens when I come to the ball mounts of the toes, I engage my glutes and my calf. My back just popped back into alignment. I lower my heel, now my glute is engaged and there's a, the action is in the right muscle groups. Does that make sense? So you can have people lift their heels and triangle and then lower down because by lifting the heel, it creates an activation in the muscle groups from the base of the foot to the to leg. So you're engaging that entire chain versus locking out the knee. Because the knee a lot of times becomes really passive in your hero poses, in your straight-legged balancing poses, like wide-legged poses. A lot of times people just shove their back butt back versus coming down from um, proper alignment. Just remember that every pose is Tadasana. Is that an okay definition? Okay, the final thing that I want to show you is how many of you have done threading the needle? Right? There's two different versions of threading the needle. One is on the ground where your hands and knees are on the ground. There's also one that's on your back. Where you're laying on your back and you're threading the needle like this. Um, where you're, say I'm, I'm working the, I'm bending the right knee, my right ankle's on top of my left leg, my hands are around the left calf or shin. I mean, uh, shin or hamstring. It doesn't matter if you're on shin or hamstring, you're trying to create space, just like pigeon, through the right side. There's space underneath your spine, and your body is really engaged. So, how many of you can do pigeon? How many of you can't do pigeon? Right? So there's going to be, like, say you have a class of 20, there's going to be like five people who should not be doing pigeon because it's not good for their legs. 
not good for their body. And pigeon setup is a little precarious, and let's wait till pigeon class. But if you see someone and their ass is really high and this is just not working for them, put them in ready the needle on their back. That will be something they're able to maintain and to do. And if their hands can't reach their shin or their hamstrings, then use a towel or a strap. You know, if it's a, like a, a larger body or someone who's coming in from rehab or someone who's coming from a, a place where they just have some issues that they can't get themselves into it. Because pigeon is definitely an acquired taste. It's not good for everybody. Cool. So let's go around and say one thing that you had, like either an epiphany or a thought or something that you um, really found to be um, a spark of insight or a catalyst when we come to the topic of knees. Mindfulness. Mindfulness. Engaging both the inner and the outer knees to her muscles to protect the knees. Cool. She's still muscle. Okay, that's okay. That's not good. <laughs> Same. Using the blocks to figure out how to engage properly. Awesome. So you don't have to go get Suzanne Summers' thigh master. <laughs> Namaste. Thank you.